And so it's like learning to accept the full human spectrum that lies within us and knowing that once we can accept those parts of ourselves, those cringy parts that make you so like, oh, I can't believe I do that. I can't believe, I don't want anyone to know that. Oh my gosh, I would die if someone knew that about me. And it's like, like that, this, it's freaking life. Like that is where life is like being lived. And that's where life, like, that's where you learn and that's where you wake up and that's where you grow from. And it's like, I just feel like all these things are so hidden and they're not talked about. And it's just so sad because it's like, I want to spend my life talking about these things. Welcome to Let's Thrive the Podcast, a place for holistic storytelling with none of the BS and a whole lot of fun. I'm your host, Emily Feichels, and my mission is to interview guests that inspire, educate, and empower you to live your best life. In these stories, you'll see a part of your own journey reflected in theirs and learn to grow from it. And with that said, let's thrive. Welcome back to Let's Thrive the Podcast, and I'm your host, Emily Feichels. Whether you're new here or an OG, something you should probably know about me is that I love to learn. Not in the traditional sense, which is why college was not the path for me, but in the sense of if something grabs my attention, I am all in. I am ready to learn. And that's what I love about podcasts because they're like mini educational lessons that are also fun and can allow you to learn so much more about so many different things in less time and for free. Cha-ching. <laughs> and so today we are learning about all things Enneagram. Consider this your intro course, day one of Enneagram 101. And it's all thanks to the lovely Gabrielle Westbrook, a friend of a friend that has now become my friend. We love that. <laughs> Connecting with Gabrielle for this episode was such a blast and really got me interested in learning more about the Enneagram in general. We discuss what the Enneagram actually is, as well as its purpose in our lives, which leads Gabrielle to share her journey of finding the Enneagram and really embracing it as her life began to drastically shift because of it. As you'll hear her explain, she was really zoned out, like almost asleep, living on the sidelines of her life sort of thing. She was unsure of herself and everything in her life. She felt lost and hopeless, something a lot of us could probably relate to. And then some dramatic and rather traumatic stuff happened that really snapped her out of that and into her journey to become an Enneagram expert. So starting with the basics, Gabrielle walks us through what each type is. There are nine types and then the core pillars of that type. So think core weakness, core fear, core desire, at least I think I'm getting those right. <laughs> and the idea is that these core pillars create a cycle for each type that will keep repeating until you wake up to it and choose to change. Now, what's neat about this part of the conversation is that even if you don't know your type, like me, I only have a vague idea of what my type could be. As you listen to her explain the types and their core pillars, if one of those resonates or really hits home deep for you, that might be a good place to continue digging in and to continue researching. You'll hear me share in the episode which ones really hit home like a big oof 
moment. Because as Gabrielle explains, the quizzes and the memes on Enneagrams that we see all over the internet are amazing, but are not actually that accurate. I mean, think about it. These quizzes depend on you being 110% honest with yourself, even about the not-so-fun sides of yourself. And so it's like, what's answering those questions? Your head? Your heart? Your ego? The false perception of yourself? Which is why Gabrielle works as a coach to help be almost a mirror for you. To truly hear what you're saying, what you're answering, and then help you dig deep to find what your type actually is, and then how to work with it, work through it, work on it. And so then going off of the types, Gabrielle explains what it means for each type to belong in a triad, which was something new to me. And that consists of the body, kind of gut one, the heart, and then the mind. Also what it means to know your dominant type of these triads, and how, you know, overall, the Enneagram should be a guide for you to understand yourself, not a label or another definition <laughs> or a way to box yourself in. Like the ultimate work, the ultimate goal is to work with the Enneagram to be an, the most authentic version of you, full and whole with all the positive attributes of every type. And so as the ending note, Gabrielle shares a mindset shift that each type could make. So if you identify with this core desire that she shares, you can then shift the mindset with it so that you're not constantly chasing after it, you're not stuck in the cycle or this loop, you're able to finally be set free, almost. This episode overall just really hit home for me, and I hope it does the same for you. I think it's so fun to learn about new things, and whether you fully believe or support in it, just listening to conversations like this on new things is wonderful. You're opening your mind to new possibilities. You're taking in knowledge. You're showing yourself in the world that you're open to change, to new opportunities, and to growth. So to learn more and connect further, find Gabrielle on Instagram at Gabrielle Westbrook, linked below, and I'm at Emily Feichels and at Let's Thrive Podcast. Please let us know if you listen, you can share, tag us on your stories, and if you want to further support the show, you can always leave a rate or review. It helps me to get more wonderful guests on like Gabrielle to educate and expand our minds. So without further ado, let's jump into this convo. Awesome. Cool. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we dive right into things, would you mind just giving like a little introduction into who you are and then uh, we'll get we'll get chatting on all things Enneagram because I, I know I'm excited and everyone listening is too. Yeah, um, I'm Gabrielle Westbrook. Um, I'm an Enneagram life coach. Um, I live in Austin, Texas. Um, very, as we were talking about from Pennsylvania, the cold, harsh winters. So living here has been such a dream. We've lived here for the last two years. Um, and yeah, I mean, my whole background is actually in fitness and, uh, exercise physiology. And so as we'll talk about today in the podcast, like literally learning about my Enneagram type and, and just diving into coming back home to who I am has been the journey of how I've, I'm where I'm at right now. And these are the days that I like literally pray for. So it's 
really cool. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love to hear it. Okay. Well then I guess to start off for anyone that's unfamiliar or just excited to learn more, how would you describe the Enneagram? You know, like what the purpose of it is. Let's just really start with the, with the basics of, of it. Yeah. So it's called the Enneagram of personalities. That is the modern Enneagram that we all know and, and see on Instagram and, you know, the ones that we're all talking about. Um, there's many versions of Enneagrams, but that's what we know today. But basically the purpose of the Enneagram is to help us understand our internal world, really understand why we think, feel, and behave the way we do just to help us become more aware to those cycles that we get ourselves stuck in, you know, like <laughs> we'll talk about that, but just like the cycles that we get ourselves stuck in and that probably, probably we're not aware of. And so really to be able to see it and then to move through it quicker. Um, but it shows us nine ways, right? There's nine personality, Enneagram personality types um, that's not to confine us. It's not to put us in a box, but it just shows us nine ways where we've really fallen asleep to our true selves, um, maybe gotten stuck in autopilot, um, be able to really bring awareness to those things, heal through those things, and then choose differently for ourselves because we all have these beings, these, these true selves within us. And so it's like learning to step into that, who we were created to be. And so you know, the Enneagram really gives humanity, no matter what religion, what, no matter what race, like nothing, it just gives humanity a, a beautiful common language to be able to really understand ourselves and each other in a way deeper way. Um, it helps us extend compassion to ourselves and each other <laughs> and just communicate more effectively, you know, like help it to develop self-knowledge is where it needs to begin to be able to cultivate true presence, like true awareness, and then really do that transformational work to integrate into our most whole authentic selves. That is basically the motto of this podcast. So I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so funny, you know, as you bring up the, the idea of cycles and, you know, things, that's something that a lot of people as you start to evolve and do this type of inner work, you can start to pick up on those cycles in your life. And I know a big topic we talk about a lot on this podcast is, you know, disordered eating, diet culture, all that mm. stuff. And there's so many cycles in that. There's so many cycles in the societal, you know, conditioning that we talk about on other episodes. There's just yeah. so many cycles in life and a lot of times like they can hold us back. So I just love that this entire system is just like one big way to empower you and really shine light on those cycles so that you can then you said choose you know choose to work through them choose to break them uh kind of like take charge choose how you want your life to be so i just i'm excited totally. i love that it sounds right up the alley so <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I yeah and just like yeah, the whole mission behind it to like know ourselves deeply to be able to like show up as our full selves. Like that is, imagine how you could live if you did that. You know what I mean? Like it brings tears to my eyes because it's like, man, how much do we get in our own way? And like, man, how much do we just like sometimes, like I know I've had seasons in my life where I'm just so discontent and confused and like, ah, uh, I want freedom. <laughs> I want wholeness. I want healing. And like, 
but I wasn't aware that I even needed those things for the longest time. So exactly. It's kind of Just, a beautiful journey. Yeah. You've got to have your eyes opened in one way or another, you know, to really, really embrace and really be ready for this type of work. Um, you know, oh, and, as, yeah. <laughs> and as you mentioned, there are nine types and we're going to dive into them, but you know, this was something when I first found the Enneagram, it was like, oh, go take your online quiz, like what type <laughs> of deal. And I personally, like I've been pretty big into astrology, right? And so I've gotten a professional astrology reading done where they go super in depth. So now when people are like, oh, my sun sign is this, and my moon sign is that, I'm like, no, you have to, there's so many deeper levels. Like even though I'm a Capricorn sun and a Taurus moon, I actually act like a Leo and I have this characteristic. Like there's so many details and intricacies. So yes, as I've learned from you, the Enneagram can be kind of similar in that sense. So yeah, why, you know, you mentioned you're an Enneagram kind of like life coach. Mm-hmm. Why, why does that matter? Like why, what's the difference between these online quizzes and what you have to offer? Yeah. So that's such a good point because along with those other systems that you mentioned, the Enneagram is so complex and while Instagram memes and all the things about the Enneagram and the really pretty graphics are fun to look at, they can, (laughs) this is where my one wing pops out where I'm like justice and fairness and making sure everything's right. And and um, I think my ascendant sign is Libra, right? Is that, or is that the scales? Probably, I think so. Anyways, it's very much in alignment with, uh-huh. with that. So it's like almost minimizing the integrity of the, of the Enneagram and just all the wisdom that it holds. And so personally, I am not a fan. I'm not a huge fan of like the quizzes. I'm not a huge fan. Like you literally cannot look at an Instagram meme and and discover your type that way. It's like, oh, you know, like they'll, they'll be graphics and while they're so beautiful and while they're fun, it's like, you know, they'll have like a type nine with like a leopard coffee mug. And it's like, oh, that I like that. So I'm a type nine. It's like, no, 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 no. Like we got to back it up here. So like the Enneagram is not just a personality test. The Enneagram literally has ancient roots. Different versions of the Enneagram have been around for thousands of years. And so really from like the late 1800s to the late 1900s, there were three men that were really like pioneering and really driving the Enneagram teachings and spiritual transformation forward. But it was still pretty hush hush. Like it was still pretty like taught word of mouth. You only learned about your type and that's it. You didn't learn about the other types. And so in the 1970s, that's where the where they paired the Enneagram with psychology. So that's how this whole kind of Enneagram of personalities really came about. And that's like a very like broad overview. That's not like the full detailed story of it, but you get the gist. And so like it ha- it just has so much, it's so much more than just a quiz. And it, it truly is like a map of our soul and this blueprint to really journeying home to our true authentic selves. And so working with a coach to discover your type, you know, it just takes the guessing work out of it. It you know, a coach can ask you questions that goes beyond the outward behaviors because the Enneagram is not about outward behaviors. It's about internal motivations. And so, and a coach can really like hear what you're actually saying and then help you give you the clarity without wasting so much time. Like I have a client who, you know, she's 
in her fifties and she spent like five years digging into the Enneagram and what is it going back and forth, not knowing her type for five years. I did one typing interview with her. We got a clarity and assurance. We went through five sessions and it was like, I learned more in these five sessions than I did in a decade. And so it's like, that is the power of working with a coach, um, you know, or a therapist or, or whatever, but in terms of Enneagram coaching, that's why it's so powerful. Yeah. And I mean, it's like you just pointed out, oftentimes we can do, there's a lot of things we can do on our own and it can feel empowering to say, I'm going to do this on my own, but there are times when getting that professional help, you know, whether we're talking Enneagram or like you said, a therapist, a specialist, a doctor, whatever it is, like sometimes you just, you need to decide, you know, like, am I ready to take this seriously? You know, like, do I want to invest and get this, you know, kind of like time saving help or do it on your own. So I think that is like such just a, it's like another way of empowering yourself too. If you finally decide like, Hey, I want to work with somebody, um, side totally. tangent, but still true. <laughs> so, so true. Yeah. And it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to get help. It's honestly like probably necessary, you know, like we can, we were not meant, we're not meant to do things on our own. And like I said, or like you said, it is empowering to do these things on our own. And it's important to like find your own voice and to find your own thoughts and to, to explore it. But it's also like, it probably should be done in tandem with support in some capacity. So. Yeah. And last quick note on that is that I know for me personally, and from people I talk with, sometimes investing or doing these type of things can feel selfish almost, you know, like, Mm. oh, I'm going to spend money, you know, on an Enneagram coach or on an astrology session or on, you know, a massage or Reiki, like all these things that can, I feel sometimes we as women just automatically, we put that up there as like privilege, selfish, whatever it is. And I think it's just a matter of priority and choice, right? So if you have certain amount of time or money to spend a month on your self-care. Yeah. You know, like I just, I want to put that out there too, because I feel sometimes that can be an underlying thought with these type of discussions is like Mm -hmm. that hint of like selfishness of taking time or prioritizing or money for yourself. But um, yeah. Yeah. So just putting that out there before we dive in, if this interests you and you're in the future thinking you want to like explore these different types of things, just remember it's not selfish. So, (laughs) right. And like, especially like with the cycles that we were talking about earlier, like it's almost to the, it needs to come to this point almost where it's like, what's more expensive continuing in on these cycles and facing the same roadblocks and walls and, and, you know, just frustration in your life in whatever area, or is it (laughs) more expensive to, invest a little bit if you know save for it if you have it whatever it looks like for you but what's more expensive yes. to get help or to continue on because man i mean i mean the self sabotage is real at that point <laughs> yeah no it, it definitely is and i'm kind of curious is that how you first got interested in the enneagram like you realized these these cycles are costing me whether it's you know money or just emotional mental well-being like these things are costing me I'm just curious how how you really got pulled into this then yeah that's a good question and I wish I could say that I was aware enough to (laughs) decide all this stuff on my own 
Um, okay, so I learned about the Enneagram on a podcast. I the host was interviewing an Enneagram coach, and I was just immediately intrigued. Um, I spent about the next seven months trying to figure out my type on my own, <laughs> listening to podcasts, reading books, and I finally landed on the fact that I was a type nine. I had finally at that point invested in in Enneagram coaching and in some educational courses to like really, you know, get there um, with support. And so, you know, finding out that I was a type nine, I didn't necessarily like it. It didn't feel true, but that's because I was that unaware and, and I was that asleep to my life. And so, you know, but early on, I felt so connected to the Enneagram um, that I knew that I wanted to do this type of this work. I knew I wanted to do it in some capacity, but it actually wouldn't be about it wouldn't be until about three years later that I'd actually begin my Enneagram coaching journey. And, and which is exactly how knowing my type guided me on my journey, because as an Enneagram nine, I'd fallen asleep to my life, my identity, my being. And I would, I had suppressed so much of myself for so many reasons throughout my life. And, you know, a few of the reasons, right? Like doing what I was told, I got really good at being obedient. I, you know, feeling like my voice and my presence didn't matter, trying to be the perfect wife, trying to be the most supportive friend, not feeling important enough in my life. And so because of all those reasons, I was literally subconsciously sitting on the sidelines of my life. I was not in the game of my life whatsoever. So if you would have asked me though, like if I was a productive, motivated person, I would have been like, yeah, I'm constantly doing things. I'm active. I'm always busy but that's not really the full picture. I was constantly doing things that were getting me absolutely nowhere. I was avoiding the deeper issues at hand. I, and almost like denying that I had any issues in my life because I mean, it's sad, but they were almost too painful for me to realize about myself. So constantly feeling like I was doing and doing, but I was ultimately procrastinating. I was avoiding I was dissociating and then constantly wondering why I felt so purposeless, directionless, low energy. And honestly, I felt like a loser. Like I felt behind. I, and that was really, you know, it was just hard. And so, I, like I said earlier, unfortunately, it wasn't me who realized that all of this stuff was, was happening and that I needed help and that I couldn't keep living this way anymore. I mean, unfortunately, it took a huge trauma of betrayal in my marriage for me to really feel like I was finally like backed up in a corner and I finally had to face myself and either decide to keep going in that direction that had gotten me here in the first place or realize that the cost of doing that like really outweighed this fear I had of rocking the boat of my life. And so what was more expensive for me at that point? So part of my work of coming home to myself and was really like getting in touch with my anger to get to understand like who I was, who, who I am at my being, you know, understand what was important to me, my boundaries, my thoughts, my voice, my presence, like realizing that I had worth and I had valuable things to offer the world to be able to believe that I could see that I could step into my potential, right? Like getting back to the me who I was created to be who I was before I started merging with everyone else's wishes and everyone else's desires and denying my own. And like, that's kind of, that is a huge 
part of the growth of an Enneagram nine. And in inherently, it was kind of like the growth of me stepping into who I have been. I like, I felt like I was in my, in my being, but I didn't know how to let her out. I didn't know how to express her. I didn't know how to connect with her, but like, wow, Emily, like (laughs) it was such a newborn level, like learning that I could actually even want things in life. Like that's the level of newborn infancy stage I was starting at. Like, oh my gosh, I'm allowed to want things. Wow. Okay. Well, (laughs) what do I even want? So that's kind of how I got introduced to the Enneagram and then how my work, how the work of an Enneagram nine kind of spiraled and grew. Oh, I love that. I mean, it's quite literally like peeling the onion or the layers (laughs) of an onion or whatever (laughs) has multiple skins you can peel. Uh, It's just so, so true. And I resonate as you were speaking, I was just resonating so deeply with just even that you know, like you said, that newborn kind of like look on the world. And although I, you know, I wasn't like married, but you know, about two years ago was when I first woke up, started to wake up. I'm still waking up every day, but yeah, Yeah. it's like, it's this feeling of, you know, you could be in a relationship or marry your, maybe you're just married to the life you have. And that Mm -hmm. was definitely me. And I felt that, you know what I mean? That those feelings of like disassociation and dissatisfaction and, um, just really like, understanding that as we said in the beginning and as you said just then like you can take charge you can make the choice in your life um it just takes peeling back those the layers of conditioning that as you said have been put on us that we've really been privy to ever since the day we were born uh so that is just so so true so beautiful um and so yeah you know just so deep but so then when it comes to the enneagram types themselves as we've said, you know, it's unique to everyone and it can be tricky to actually figure out your exact type, especially when you have that societal conditioning, um, you know, infringing on your answers to the quizzes at times. Uh, All that being said, though, let's dive into at least the, you know, general, I guess, basics of the types, if that's okay. And we can just give a few highlights from each, just so people get an idea of a deeper idea of what we're discussing with this entire system. Yeah. So how to really find your Enneagram type is to look at the core motivations of each type. And that's what I'm going to run through. So of each type, there's a core fear. We're constantly trying to run from that core fear. We don't want to feel it. Okay. And then where you're running to is you're running to the core desire of your type. And how you're running, what you're using to run to your core desire is your core weakness. And that's kind of how I'm going to explain it because that is the flow and that's the cycle that you're going to see each type kind of get into. And the thing is, is we use our core weakness almost subconsciously um, to protect ourselves, to keep us safe. And we feel like if we use our core weakness, um, again, subconsciously, if we use this tactic, then the core fear, we won't feel it. But what actually ends up happening is our core weakness just invites our core fear right back into our lives. And so this is how you stay on the hamster wheel. And so I'm going to explain those three pieces of each type, just like at a pretty broad level overview. Um, But if it resonates with you and you feel really seen, if you feel exposed, if you feel like, oh my gosh, how did she know that about me? Like this feels very true for most of my life. I would say dig in there, dig into that. It might be your type and it it might be 
um, that key to kind of unlocking a lot of things where you've maybe gotten in your own way. So, um, okay. So I guess I'll just get started. Um, I'm going to start. So within the Enneagram, this is kind of deeper education, but there's these things called triads and it's body, uh, heart and mind. So I'm going to break, there's three types in each of those categories. So I'm going to start, I'm going to break it up into that just to kind of keep it a little bit easier. So the gut triad, it, the body triad, the instinctual center, this is comp or comprised of types eight, nine, and one. So um, type eights, their core fear is being weak, powerless, controlled, and vulnerable. So they're constantly trying to run away from feeling that and they run to their core desire, which they, their core desire is to protect themselves and protect those in their inner circle. And then the core weakness is the tool that, or the thing that we're using to get there. And that their core eight, the type eight's core weakness is this lust for intensity, constantly desiring control and power and pushing through to get what you want. So they think by doing that, they're not going to feel those things, but usually it invites it right back in. And obviously in relationships and when you're dealing with other people, that's kind of how that's happening and, and to within ourselves. So um, type nines, uh, their core fear is being in conflict, feeling overlooked, feeling disconnected or separate from others. And so their core desire is to have inner harmony and peace of mind. And their core weakness is um, sloth or like this, um, like this uh, emotional laziness. It's not necessarily a physical laziness, but this sloth in that they don't want life to get them. So they kind of numb out. They dim their awareness. They use that dissociation technique and fall asleep to their entire life to maintain this sense of peace. But it's not peace. It's fake peace. It's like, you know, it's not real peace. Um, and invites that core fear right back in. And then type ones, their core fear is being wrong or bad. And so their core desire is to have integrity, to be good, to be accurate, virtuous. Um, and so their core weakness is um, re like repressing anger and resentment. Um, so they kind of continually have this frustration um, that they keep repressing because it's um, it's bad. Like they don't want to outwardly show their anger because it's bad in their minds. So that's kind of how those cycles are showcasing with the eights, nines, and ones in the gut triad. Yeah. Um, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious now to look into, yeah, this will be neat. I'm excited for you uh, when you'll keep going and then we can discuss, but. <laughs> okay, cool. Okay. I'll just go through. So the next is the heart triad. Um, this is types two, three, and four are in the heart triad. Um, and so the core fear of a type two is being rejected or unworthy of love. Their core desire is to be appreciated, to be loved, to be wanted. And their core weakness is pride. So it's almost in a sense of denying that they have needs and emotions um, so that people like they want to be there for others because they feel like if I keep being there for others, they'll appreciate me. They'll love me. They'll want me. They'll give me my core desire, but really that's not what ends up happening. So that's kind of how that cycle plays out for a two type three 
their core fear is being exposed or thought of as incompetent or um, unsuccessful. And so their core desire is to be admired, to be successful, to be valuable. And their core weakness is deceit. And how this plays out for a type three is that they almost deceive themselves into believing that they are the image that they present to others. And so threes can be this kind of chameleon, like they show up in different groups as, okay, who's, what's that group? Okay, who do I need to be in there? What's that group? Who do I need to be there? And so they're constantly trying to be admirable, successful, to be like, to be given that core longing, that core message of like, you're loved, you're loved, you're wanted without having to perform. But, it, you know, that cycle plays out and never ends up happening, especially if they're stuck in that. And then type fours, their core fear is um, feeling flawed, feeling insignificant, feeling emotionally cut off, or like something's like, yeah, flawed, like something's like missing from them. Um, their core desire is to be unique and authentic. And then the core weakness is envy, um, feeling like they are flawed or like that they're missing something that other people have. And so they're constantly like comparing themselves or constantly like trying to seek it out. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of how that cycle plays out. So I know you said you're trying to figure out what type you are and you would be, both of those options are in the heart triad. So did that resonate? Yeah. I mean, cause I, I did the quiz and even as I was taking the quiz, there'd be times where my answer, I was like, I couldn't tell in the moment what was answering like my head, my heart, or my ego. <laughs> mm, so, so real. Number four really, really hit home. But number nine was also kind of like a slap in the face. So mm. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm curious though to we'll see. Maybe the final three. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> you'll find it there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fours and nines are um common mistypes too. So that they they're outwardly, um, I don't know, they're, they're pretty similar in a lot of ways, but again, those internal motivations are what's like, what's been most true for most of my life. And that's how you're going to really understand, um, your type. So, okay. Final triad is the mind triad. And this, it uh, consists of types five, six, and seven. And so the core fear of a type five is being seen as ignorant or um, not knowledgeable, um, being invaded, um, or having obligations put onto them. Uh, their core desire is to be capable, to be competent, to be knowledgeable. And then their core weakness is um, avarice, which is like a stinginess. But again, it's not a materialistic stinginess. It's more of like a, they have this they feel like they lack inner resources and they lack energy. And so they tend to withdraw and minimize their needs um, to recharge, to kind of stay out of the drama in relationships, to kind of um, keep, like, they want to keep what they have because they're afraid that they're going to be depleted of energy and, and resources. So it's kind of like a coping mechanism in that sense. Um, type sixes, their core fear is fear itself. Um, they are, they fear being without support. They fear being without guidance. They fear being blamed. 
um, and their core desire is to have security and support. And then the core weakness is anxiety. Um, so just always on the lookout for threats. They're kind of always aware of worst case scenarios. Um, so yeah, it's just kind of like, they're always looking for <laughs> the danger, which just kind of invites the danger right back in, you know? And then finally type sevens, um, their core fear is being bored, limited, trapped in emotional pain. Um, if you've heard the phrase FOMO, that's pretty much <laughs> descriptive of a type seven, just that fear of missing out. Um, they, their core desire is to be satisfied and content. Um, I always think of type sevens as like a bucket with like a hole at the bottom of it. And it's just constantly draining and they're constantly like, oh no, oh no. Like I don't feel full. I don't feel satisfied. I don't feel content. Um, and so that core weakness, the thing that they use to try to get that core desire met is gluttony. Um, and it's not in, in food. It's more of like in experiences. So it's like in, they feel like it's never enough. So they want to fill themselves up with all the experiences, the adventure, the next thing, because that's the thing that's going to make them feel satisfied. So that's kind of how that plays out for a type seven. So yeah, that was, that's all the types <laughs> at a very broad overview. So yeah. hopefully that, that all made sense. <laughs> no, I think so. And I think like you said, that'll give people a good idea. They can see if any really stuck out and then possibly dive deeper. I'm just curious. I meant to ask before, but with the triads, like how does that correlate to the types? Like you said, the, the body or guts, um, the heart, and then the mind, like how, how did the, the three types of each get put in that section? <laughs> yeah. So that's such a good question. So if you, if you've ever seen the Enneagram symbol, it's a circle and then the nine at the top and then going to the right is the one. And then it goes all the way around seven, eight, nine, all the way to nine again. And so the top three, eight, nine, and one, those are in the body triad. And so it's really interesting. It's a, it, again, it's like a deeper insight into the Enneagram, but um, they all three types in each triad, they experience, they have a common desire and they have a common emotional struggle. And so I can, I can go through that just like really quickly on, on that because it would be really helpful. So um, the gut triad, eight signs and ones, they have this common emotional struggle. Uh, they all deal with anger. So eights usually respond to anger in an intense, quick, fast manner. Nines usually are, aren't aware that they have anger. And so they're, it's so suppressed that they're not even aware. Like if you were to ask a nine, like, oh, what's your relationship with anger? Do you consider yourself an angry person? They'd be like, never. Oh my gosh, no. But it, it's within them. They just suppressed it so much. And then ones usually repress their anger and they kind of turn it more towards like a self-inflicting anger um, so that they don't showcase it outward because they have this belief that anger is wrong and bad and they don't want to ever go against their core fear. And so that's kind of how that common emotional struggle plays out for the gut triad. Um, and two, each triad helps you understand um, what center you're probably a little... Um, uh, overdoing it in and you learn how to kind of balance out the centers so that you're using your heart, your mind, your gut appropriately and balanced as you do deeper Enneagram work. So that's kind of a beautiful purpose of it. But, um, okay. So the heart triad very quickly, 
um, the heart triad, their common desire is to find their significant identity. And so twos are usually trying to find it through others. They're trying to find their identity through relationships. Threes are usually trying to find it through how successful they are, how admirable, how impressive they are, um, and then, or can be. And then fours are usually trying to find it through their pain. Um, they're trying to find it by not allowing themselves to see the good parts of themselves. And, and also they're trying to find their significant identity through being different from others. And so that's kind of how that's playing out within the heart triad. And then the mind triad, um, their common emotional struggle is fear. So fives fear like they don't know enough to engage in the world. So they constantly are withdrawing to try to gain more knowledge. Um, sixes, they more so identify the fear with anxiety. So that plays out in like worst case scenario thinking or worst case thinking, worst case scenarios, preparing for possible uh, future threats which is interesting because, right, the, the, this is the mind triad, right? So sixes are constantly like running their mind on these possible future threats to prepare for them, which they are, it's almost like unproductive thinking, right? So you can see how they're using that mind triad in like not a really productive way if they're, you know, unhealthy or in the average um, levels of development. And then sevens, um, they fear being bored or trapped in emotional pain. And so they kind of have monkey brain, like what's next, what's next, what's next? Get me out of here. I don't want to be bored and trapped. So that's kind of how the, the, all the triads are playing out. Oh, okay. I think that adds a whole other layer of, yeah, you could really, um, really like resonate or dig deep with that. See, now oh, yeah. I've got to, I don't know, it might be four, but I I'll have to like look into it more and, um really dive into it because yeah that's just so funny you know like you say these things and they just kind of seem general but if yeah. you if you have like any bit of self-awareness you'll so quickly pick up like oh that hits home <laughs> like yeah. oh that's me on the inside like it's I just I love that sort of thing Exactly. And, and to your point about the quiz, right? It's like a lot of outward behavior questions. And we, if you're not self-aware enough, you're answering these questions from a place of where you want to be or how you think you see yourself, but that's not actually accurate. And so, you know, uh, I've, I do typing interviews and I do typing sessions to help people understand their Enneagram type. And I've literally only had one person that I've done a typing interview with where their top score was actually their dominant type. So that it's, it's, it's part of the process. It's not like uh, quizzes are like what 60 to maybe 80% accurate at best. Like, so it's really worth diving into it and, and figuring it out through your own research. And real quick, you mentioned dominant type. So does that mean that there's, you know, like one dominant type that's playing out and then you can have other close, like second thirds? Or I'm just curious how that works out, just to get the full picture. Yeah, so you do have one dominant Enneagram type. It doesn't change. It is the, it is the, it's what has been most true for most of your life. And so, yes, you have one dominant Enneagram type. Um, how do I want to put this where we don't get too in depth? So yeah. there is a thing called tri-types. So basically, um, Again, you are one dominant Enneagram type, and that's the work that you really want to do. That's, that's the personality structure, right? Because our personality is just a mask. 
it's not who we are. Our personality is where we've been stuck. It's where we are coping, we're defending, we're trying to protect ourselves to survive. Um, and so that's the stuff that you need to unlearn. That's the stuff that you really need to work through. Um, it doesn't mean that you can't see yourself in other types because that's the whole point of the Enneagram is to integrate into wholeness, right? Like the, the Enneagram symbol, right? All of us are living on the outside of the circle and all of our little bubbles of what number we are, what type we are. But the point of it is to integrate to like the center of it, right? To where you're actually borrowing the healthy aspects of each type, but you can't do that until you do the work of your dominant type. Um, so that side note sense. on that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Okay. Cause right. If you think about it, if you're, if you're just living in your type four bubble over here, that's still a prison and that's not the point that yeah. isn't freedom. And so again, side note, but there is a thing within the Enneagram called tri-types and this is like really high level. Like this is something you would really want to like research, uh, work from like, uh, doc, like PhDs who are doing this kind of work within the Enneagram and working with a coach who knows about it. But um, so we kind of talked through those triads. So, right. So say you were, just say you were type four. So your dominant type would be type four and your dominant triad would be the heart triad. Now there's a theory and it's pretty true. It kind of make, under, allows you to understand yourself as like a more whole, well-rounded whole person. But the tri-types means is that you technically have a dominant type in each center of intelligence. So okay. for me, I was going to say like, that kind of, that makes sense. Like to me, I was kind of wondering if that could be a case, but okay. Continue. Yeah. Yeah. So like, you, you know, I'm a type nine, my tri, my tri type is nine, six, four. So when my, when I'm utilizing like my type nine, this, and it's not getting my needs met, it's not getting what I want. Then I start to utilize type six, type six tendencies. And then, you know, type four tendencies are pretty close to that too. So um, that, that is a thing. And again, that's like very <laughs> broad overview of it. There's definitely more complexity to it that would help make more sense for people. Um, but yeah, that, that work is, is definitely, uh, available as a resource for people to learn about. Okay. Okay. I love that. Yeah. Thank you for touching on that. Cause I was curious yeah. and that adds yeah. a new level. I love it. Um, well, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's the thing is I've, I've seen people like, um, people with a lot of followers on Instagram who talk about the Enneagram, even though they're not certified, which whatever, but spread awareness. That's great. But they kind of, I've seen people talk about like, you know, I'm I thought I was this type, but I'm feeling more like this type today. So I don't want to be put in a box and it, and it, it kind of puts a bad taste in your mouth about the Enneagram. Cause it's like, Oh, it's just another one of those personality tools. And, and it's not, and you can be both you can like within you, you could be a type four and a type nine, right? Like that could be part of your tri-type. And so I just like to point that out because yeah, people kind of get caught up in like, Oh, it makes me feel like I'm being put in a box. And there's so much to that goes into it that it allow it is, it's a dynamic symbol. It's a, it's a, it's an evolving uh, structure and system that, because it matches us as humans, right? We're always evolving. We're always, we're in dynamic, we're, we're in motion, we're dynamic beings. And so, um, it matches us pretty well. No, I love that. And I think that goes back to the beginning when I was talking about, you know, like the astrology types and that's mm -hmm. why at first, you know, I was hesitant to dive into astrology. And then I put off the Enneagram for a long time. I'm like, no one else is labeling me. And it wasn't until <laughs> I started discussing it with a couple close friends that I realized like, 
oh, it's just another tool. Like it's just another tool for to help me understand and grow and evolve. And once you look at it that way and you understand that nothing can actually define or label you, like you, it's, you have your fundamental choice of how you approach and take things in, you know, then I was open to it. And I, I get what you mean about how it can put like a bad taste in your mouth, because if you're like me and you're like, "Uh uh-uh, nothing's like, (laughs) you don't want to do it, but that's just, Yeah. yeah, something to keep in mind. So, um, totally. Totally. Staying on the idea of, you know, each of the types being unique, their own sort of thing. What would be one possible mindset shift that, you know, each type might need to make when it comes to just, you know, fully embodying, fully being in that type? Yeah. I, I literally love this question because there, you know, how I was saying like core fear, core weakness, core desire. So there's another one called um, the core longing. And this is the message that, that your heart longs to hear that you never felt like you fully received, or you never felt like you fully got in your life. And so if you believed, if each type believed that the message that their heart longs to hear, they would literally be free of their personality structure. And, you know, we could do a whole other (laughs) episode on beliefs, right? Because your beliefs are mainly subconscious that you developed between the ages of like zero and 12 that you are pretty much operating on. Those are the, like, those are the foundational things that are driving your behavior. So it's about getting to those root deep down beliefs, right? Like facing the shadowy aspects of yourself that you don't want to see being brutally honest with yourself you know, learning to accept those parts that you suppressed because you were shamed about them or you had to reject about yourself or whatever the situation was, but just like learning self-compassion, learning self-acceptance, learning how to just nurture yourself and, and love yourself and be gentle with yourself, with yourself and, you know, face those beliefs, start to do the subconscious reprogramming, create new neural pathways, like new beliefs, right? Because this is where if you believe that that core message you would actually start to live aligned and in flow and with ease and as the most like whole authentic version of you that is that's already within you it's just about okay we got to journey back home there because they probably you probably like suppress that down a lot so yes each type has a message that their heart longs to hear so i'll just read it for each type um and then yeah so Type eight, we'll, we'll go back to the beginning in the gut triad. So type eight, um, that core longing, that message that their heart longs to hear is that um, you will not be betrayed. And that hits pretty deeply, I know, for a lot of type eights because that's what they're, they're literally trying to protect themselves from being betrayed. And so if they just believed you will not be betrayed, you, would, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't have to deal with that personality structure hamster wheel all the time. Um, Type nine, uh, the message your heart longs to hear is that your voice and your presence matters. Type one, uh, the message your heart longs to hear is that you are good. Not because of what you do, not because of, you know, fixing things and carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders. Just you are good, like just as you are. Um, Type two, the message your heart longs to hear is you are loved and wanted, period. (laughs) not because of what you give others, but just you are loved and wanted because you're you. Type three, the message your heart longs to hear is that you are loved for simply being you. 
And I, I like to add without performing too. You are, you are loved without having to perform. You are loved for simply being yourself, your authentic self. Type four, the message her heart longs to hear is that you are seen and loved for exactly who you are. All the bad, all the good, everything in between. You don't have to force it. You are seen and loved for literally exactly who you are. Um, type five, the message your heart longs to hear is that your needs are not a problem. You can engage, you can show up, you can withdraw to recharge if you need, but like, tell me your needs and invite me in, be in that relationship, right? I want to know how I can support you. Um, so your needs are not a problem. Type six, um, the message your heart longs to hear is that you are safe and secure. Mm. That one is a big one, especially with their just everything that is six. The sixes are some of the most courageous people I know because they're constantly waking up every day and moving through life despite their anxiety and their fear. And like that takes some courage, you know, <laughs> so you will be safe. You are safe and secure. And then type seven, the message your heart longs to hear is that you will be taken care of. Um, yeah, type sevens. I feel so, I feel so deeply for the type sevens, uh, somewhere along the way, they just started believing that they were the only ones that could take care of themselves. And so telling your type seven friends, like, Hey, like you will be taken care of. You don't have to go find it for yourself. Um, I think would make them feel really supported and loved. So, yeah. Oh, I love that you shared those because I feel like that's something else where, if you're in tune, if you're, you know, like a bit self-aware, I feel like, you know, one or maybe two or whatever, like, you know, those are, one's going to probably stick out to you a bit more than the others. Um, so yeah. I love that. It's just like another way to think on it, but, um, yeah. that's just so powerful too. Do you know what I mean? Like to be able to realize and understand that part of you and really, I mean, it's courageous for everyone to, yeah, to do this type of work because you have to face some uncomfortable truths or some uncomfortable beliefs about yourself, right? And yeah. um, but like at the end of the day, that's that's the only way to work through it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like to face like, and I think about that too. It in that an emotion, right? An emotion. I think okay. Quote me if don't tell me if I'm wrong here. And I, but I think it's like an emotion only lasts like like 90 seconds or something like that, or like 60 to 90 seconds or something like that. Like it's a very small amount of time that an emotion lasts. And so it's like, if you, and, and then <laughs> what we end up doing is spending a lifetime running away from that emotion, running away from that thing that we don't want to see in ourselves. And I'm, I mean, I did that for 20, the first 26 years of my life. And, um, you know, we can't shame ourselves for what we don't know right? We can't, we can't continue. We can't already be in this deficit of being so self-critical and self-shaming and self-judging because then we're going to be already defeated in trying to show up for this work. And so it's like learning to accept the full human spectrum that lies within us and knowing that once we can accept those parts of ourselves, those cringy parts that make you so like, oh, I can't believe I do that. I can't believe, I don't want anyone to know that. Oh my gosh, I would die if someone knew that about me. And it's like, like that, this, it's freaking life. Like that is where 
life is like being lived and that's where life, like that's where you learn and that's where you wake up and that's where you grow from. And it's like, I just feel like all these things are so hidden and they're not talked about. And it's just so sad because it's like, I want to spend my life talking about these things that, you know, I was shamed a lot for my life. You're too serious, Gabrielle. You're too like philosophical and you're too deep. Like, can't you just lighten up? Can't you just have fun? Can't you just go with the flow? And like, I can, but I want to talk about this stuff because this is more meaningful to me. And like, I would rather talk about this stuff to make someone else feel less broken and less alone than continuing to act like I'm fine. And I got it all together because when I was living in that way, it got me where I, where I was like, (laughs) so broken. And so like, it it was too expensive for me. So anyways, that was a huge side tangent, but (laughs) it was an important side conversation because it's so true. And I've brought this up, you know, shame is a big essence in my life. You know, it's something a lot of us have, a lot of us work through, but lately I've really been confronting it. And I brought it up in a body image episode the other day where it's like, you know, when it comes, whether it's our personalities or our bodies or our minds, whatever it is, like we all judge ourselves. We all get shamed by someone. And yet at the end of the day, we're all judging or shaming or comparing to something different, right? Like we, we judge ourselves for our bodies, yet the person that has the body we think is right is ju- you know, judging their body. And when it comes to this, right, like we're shaming ourselves for one emotion or one personality trait while another person is striving to get to that personality trait. Like it's just yeah. such, a, such a cycle in that way too. And you know, when it comes to shame, whatever you feel it about or wherever it's showing up in your life, you know, whether it's internal or external shame coming at you, like, it's just, it's such a dark, dark presence, you know, that can really weigh you down. And so anything that can help you face that, work through it, and just really empower you to, to really move past that shame, I think it's, I think that's the golden ticket, you know, I think it's, it's something to prioritize and really dig into. And if anyone felt that sort of way during this conversation, right? Like, like they felt almost a sense of, you know, peace or freedom thinking about this type of system or this type of thinking, or just knowing this type of thing about themselves. Like I, I just want to put that out there, you know, that shame, I think plays into the factors of our life a lot more than we realize and even acknowledge. And um, I don't know, I think overcoming overcoming shame in one way or another is one of the most impactful, empowering things you can do. So I loved that you went into that little side side <laughs> tangent because it was Thanks. so important. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I think so too. Totally. And um, yeah, I love that you mentioned like we're always striving for something that's like what someone else has. And it's like the Enneagram gives you that um, framework and that blueprint to be like, I and others are, are wired that way. Like that is literally how they're wired. And I have a a very basic example of that, but like I, I was, um, this girl and I started to like get connected and get in touch, but I just like could not connect to her, could not connect to her. I didn't understand why she was acting in a certain way. I just like, didn't get it. And it was really off putting to me. And I was kind of, you know, I was kind of judging it. And I was just like, I'm not going to be friends with this girl probably like that's not going to work out. 
And the Enneagram, once I started, and that was before I knew about the Enneagram. Once I learned about the Enneagram, she was still kind of in my life. And I found, I figured out what type she was. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's it. That's exactly, like, that's just how she is. Like, and it wasn't in an unhealthy way of like, she wasn't willing to change or, you know, it wasn't like, oh, that's just how I am. I'm not going to change. No, it was like, oh, I understand why she's protecting herself in that way. She's feeling that way. She's acting that way outwardly. Like I get it now. And now we're close friends because I'm like, I can understand you on a deeper level and I get you. And like, I can talk to you in a way that resonates with you. And so it's just like, yeah, I, I focus on in my coaching, a lot of like helping women connect to themselves who have been um, who don't know their identity, who, have, you know, uh, just no sense of self got lost somewhere. They have no idea what their voice is and their presence is and their thoughts are. And, um, so I focus a lot on like self stuff, but I mean, there's Enneagram coaches out there that also focus on it mainly with like relationships and stuff too. So, um, I, it just, how, when you were saying that, it just made me think of that as like, yeah. it's so true. <laughs> well, and, and like you said, like, I feel Sometimes, you know, like you have to understand yourself before you can really be there for others too, because, right, like you need to know the framework of yourself and then you can kind of understand why you vibe or why you, you know, don't vibe with a certain person or uh, how you can make that work. So where can people find you, connect, learn more? I love your Instagram because (laughs) I'm just, that's actually what convinced me. Cause I had a few people, you know, recommend you. And then I checked out your Instagram. Well, I heard like Enneagram and I was like, I don't know. And then yeah, I checked your Instagram, like, <laughs> I followed for a while and I was like, okay, she's legitimate. She's actually like, you were speaking to that, you know, like deeper meaning behind it. You know, it wasn't just memes and stuff. Um, so I just, I love it. But where can people find you, connect, learn more? Well, first off, thank you. That means <laughs> so much to me. I received that cause it's like, you know, that nine struggle of like, am I even, am I even doing anything? Am I even making a difference? Is my voice important? Right. It's like those constant battles that each type has. And so like, thank you. That means a lot to me. Um, yeah. So Instagram, I'm just at Gabrielle Westbrook underscore. Um, my Enneagram coaching is the hope healers. So if you go to hopehealers.com, that is kind of where I live on the interweb of my website and um, all my coaching stuff. Um, and I'm just pretty much on those two platforms. Perfect. Oh, I love it. 